Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, this is Charles Halford, Chaz from NBC Constantine. Uh, I want to thank you for listening to Next Level Radio. Stay tuned. Welcome to issue 31 of DC Primetime. It is a big, big week as we have our premieres of The Flash Season 3 and Arrow Season 5. But first, uh, before I get criticized for not doing them soon enough, we will, do, <laughs> we will do introductions from the showcast on the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck. And from Captain Crew, I am Rob Martin. And we're doing things a little differently this week. Uh, if it sounds a little weird or you hear background sounds throughout the uh, at certain points of the podcast uh, and the issue, uh, don't fret. Where we usually do this online via Skype, we are doing this in person this week. Rob and I are actually right across from each other. Uh, so this should be it should be fun. We haven't done this. Yeah, seriously. Like we've done many podcasts live together, or at least recorded together around a roundtable. Um, but this is the first time we've got to do this show ever this way, which yeah, is kind of cool. It is kind of cool. And it's kind of fitting, too, because we've got Flash and Arrow. So this is our first chance to geek out about the shows directly at each other yes. instead of just a quick text message. <laughs> yes, we can actually see uh, our, our facial expressions when we're geeking out about these things, <laughs> which not necessarily could be a good thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, probably definitely, definitely a little bit different audio quality has been mentioned. And, you know, my wife is probably on her way home from work right now. So you'll definitely probably hear a door open in the background. I know, obviously, we can clean as much of this up with yeah. the post. But, um, but yeah, uh, we have a lot to get into this a week. A lot to get into. Uh, obviously, we have Gotham Season 3, Episode 3, the, the Flash premiere Season 3, Episode 1, and Arrow Season 5, Episode 1. So we want to definitely get to the premieres at some point. Uh, but of course, we got to talk Gotham first, since that is the first show of the week. Let's start with the bullet points this week, and go through. Give the each show our three one of three point ratings, starting with sidekick, hero, or legend, and we'll start with Gotham season three, episode three. Uh, Rob, what would you give this one? I am gonna say hero. Um, I think last week I gave it pretty low. I think I gave it a sidekick last week, didn't I? I think you were... I, or I was a I hero. It was a, a low, very, very it was low a low-end hero. hero. I'm yeah. going to say it's, it's still in the hero range, and if I was being honest on that, it's right dead smack in the middle. Like, still not doing a ton to grip me, but I did really enjoy the character, the villain that came in this episode. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give this one a hero as well. I was actually very... Uh, I wasn't blown away by the episode, but there were definitely some good points that I absolutely enjoyed. So I'm going to give this one... Um, a hero as well. Uh, this will be the fun part because I think we're probably both in agreement as many of our listeners have posted on Facebook are all in agreement with these as well. Uh, Flash, Season 3, Episode 1. Sidekick Hero or Legend? Legend. <laughs> uh, same with me as well. Legend. Uh, I'm, and as I said, most of the listeners that are posted on Facebook are the same way. Arrow, Season 5, Episode 1. Sidekick Hero or Legend? Actually, I'm going to go Legend again. Okay, I'm in the same boat. It's a legend for me as well. Um, 
All right, so let's jump into the Secret Origins portion, and we'll start, of course, with uh, Gotham Season 3, Episode 3, titled uh, Mad City, Look Into My Eyes. And you got to bear with me for one second, because I had to do a quick reboot, so now I don't have the episode synopsis. We can start talking about it, at least. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and I'll, when I get the synopsis pulled up, we uh, will run by. But obviously, uh, the episode starts right off. It wastes no time. I think the first character we even see in this episode is Jarvis Tatch, a.k.a. the Mad Hatter. Um, you know, so like I said, episode wastes no time, and you're getting a really quick introduction to him. Uh, from the very beginning of this episode. Yeah, one of the things I thought that was really cool, and I like that they're doing more and more of this. Like, we're seeing, especially this season, we're seeing a lot of new uh, locations. And this, they're not afraid of using the Sirens Bar that Tabitha mm-hmm. and, um, oh my god, Barbara. <laughs> Barbara owned together. Barbara Keen. Yeah. But it was cool. So, like, he's up there doing his whole hypnosis, you know, little bit, which is kind of cool to see. But, like, it's showing us right off the bat how they're making this character function in this world. You know, we're not seeing him using chips like we've seen in comic books where he's, how he's doing his mind control. He's doing it straight up as a hypnotist. Yeah. Which is, I think, the right way to go. Um, and, uh, like I said, not what I expected of his character, but it worked perfectly. Like I said, I didn't care for a lot of the early promotional shots we saw of him, but seeing him in action was perfect and it worked perfectly in this show. Yeah. And I think one of the things I actually loved about his character is throughout the the entire episode... Uh, they made it a point that he had his hat in his arm, and you could see the swirl of the hypnosis swirl inside the hat, which I don't know if that was something that you noticed I didn't even catch that, so every, I'll have to go back and watch that. Every time you see him and he has his hat, it is facing so that the hat is the whole of the hat is facing out towards the camera, and you can see the hypnosis swirl inside the hat, which I thought was a great nod to his character um, yeah. that, that they handled pretty well. Uh, but going back real quick, the synopsis is hypnotist Jarvis Tetch, a.k.a. the Mad Hatter, arrives in Gotham to search for his sister Alice and hires Gordon to help find her. Meanwhile, Penguin decides to run for mayor and Bruce's doppelganger begins to channel him, causing some confusion around town. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, we mentioned in the synopsis, one of the things is that Jarvis hires Gordon to find his sister Alice, uh, who we find out through the course of the episode is actually one of the escapees from Indian Hill. Right. And like I said, one of the things I brought up uh, was the idea that Alice, like I said, because she was from Indian Hill, uh, you know, she's got kind of different power set, but we're not quite exactly sure what the damn power set is because (laughs) it was super confusing the way that they portrayed it in the episode. You see really quickly that uh, she, the first time we see her, she's pretty beaten up and bruised and her landlord comes in kind of giving her the shakedown and says, I need my money. Mm-hmm. And then, in a very rapey moment, tries to go <laughs> after her. That's a way to put it. Which was, and again, attempted, attempted rape, let's be honest. Um, so, he goes and kisses her, and then we see him affected by her, one way, shape, or form. We're not quite sure. He kind of looks like he's being poisoned, and we hear basically the idea that her blood is poisoned some way, shape, and form, but we don't know exactly how. We don't know if this is from touch, because later on, when that same person is freed from a closet by Gordon, mm-hmm. he is pretty much crazed, kind of like 28 days later, I was gonna rage say, it's, crazed. It's almost like a rage or an aggression, yeah. Um, but, you know, quickly to the rescue, Alice comes in, you know, shoots the landlord, saves Gordon, and then quickly, you know, pretty quickly asks, did any of his blood get on you? Again, actually, I just didn't put that together until I said 28 days later, because blood is the key to all of them becoming uh-huh. infected. Um, which it doesn't, we do know that, but 
it seems like that whole thing is a virus that gets transmitted because of her. But we didn't see her bloodied at any point prior to when the landlord kissed her. Unless it's... Maybe she can pass it on by touch or by kiss or however like a virus passes. But it can only be passed on from one patient to another patient. Maybe it's bodily fluid at some point. Yeah, possibly. Because we do see later on in the episode her rescuing Gordon again where they're actually touching and he seems perfectly fine. And and the reason why she could be asking if if any of the blood got on you is because she did just shoot the landlord. So if the blood, which is a bodily fluid, gets on Gordon, he can now become infected. So we saw the landlord initially infected from a kiss. So I guess the bodily fluid I guess it makes sense. sense. But the way that it was portrayed in the episode definitely seemed like the it's a writers confusing. Confusing. of Gotham didn't quite know how to handle it, and yeah. they didn't really do a great job explaining it. But this does seem like it's a two-parter episode, similar to the things we saw with the Scarecrow arc and the Mr. Freeze arc, where this is not a one-and-done. I think this is we're going to see this character for at least two episodes. Yeah. Um, obviously, too, because the fact that he is out there, he's bumped off a doctor and his wife using uh, mind control and is now kind of staying in their place. Yeah. But uh, we've also seen... That's eventually going to come out. Yes. Yeah, I would assume that (laughs) most likely it's going to come up at some point in time. Yeah. Um, But in addition to that, though, his whole goal here is to save his sister, Alice. But it seems like a very twisted kind of family relationship, one way, shape, and form. We don't know the backstory between the two of them quite yet. All we know right now is Alice is from Indian Hill, uh, and he is there purely to find her. And it seems almost in a stalking kind of way. Yeah, because it seems almost like a little bit of contention at the end of the episode right. when he is basically mind-controlling Gordon onto the, the edge of the build, edge of the roof to, to jump, and she stops him from doing it, and almost like she doesn't want to be found by Jarvis. So it's it, it's definitely a little bit of contention. It's a, it's a weird kind of relationship between the two of them, uh, almost as if, like, she escaped from him and he's trying to find her now. Right. And this definitely, I'm sold on the character. I really like what they're doing with him. They're doing a really solid job. Um, beyond that, though, not a lot else was very captivating this week. Um, there was a couple I, things. I kind of disagree on one point at least. But, I mean, come a, a couple of the other things that we have to mention from this episode. We find out that the Bruce Doppelganger apparently has no pain. Yeah. He feels no pain whatsoever. Uh, we see him hold his arm over a candle while reaching for food at one point, and it very clearly burns his skin, but he feels no issue from it. Right. And then later on in the episode, he boxes with Alfred, busts him square in the nose to the point where he's bleeding, and he, he has no idea he's even bleeding. Right. Uh, so obviously we know something is going on with the Bruce clone. Uh, in that he he feels no pain. We still don't know exactly who the Bruce clone is. Yeah, that's the, I mean that's more specifically the storyline I'm talking about. I'm not really sold on it. It feels weird even for this show yeah. to do this. Um, I mean, and I'm more and more I'm kind of tied to the idea that this potentially is a future talent for the Court of Owls. It would make a lot of sense. They're trying to run Wayne Enterprises. Bruce is looking around them having, and they already have relationships with Hugo Strange. So more than likely, this is a doppelganger. From the Court of Owls and from Hugo Strange tied together that they're using as a talent. Talents are notoriously badasses. I mean, like, where they just don't stop. Yeah. So I could see that that being slightly connected if we go back to the Scott Snyder, Craig Capullo run of, um, of Batman. We did see the Court of Owls tied together with Thomas Wayne Jr. So maybe that's what this is kind of pulling together in its own way for the show. Um, 
but I'm not sold on it. It doesn't mean I'm sold on it in one way, shape, or form. Yeah. So I will say though one thing that I did make a note of too: uh, the scenes with David Mazouz where he's playing both parts. I think it's some really good editing because yeah. it, it's almost flawless that you realize it, that you almost don't realize it's the same actor playing both parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the editing is really well done in that scene, so I think they handled that really well. And now it's going to be even more interesting considering by the end of the episode, he's cut his hair, he's taken one of the cars, he's now basically trying to be Bruce. Right, and he's now with Selena, trying to quote-unquote help her find Ivy. Because we didn't see any more of Ivy this week, which I was kind of surprised about that they didn't even give us a quick glimpse of her. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I would say out of all the storylines this week, that was probably the lowest on the totem pole. I think the most next interesting, though, was revolving one of our favorite characters and our breakout... Well, not our breakout character, but our absolute favorite character from season one yes. being Oswald Cobblepot. Oswald Cobblepot. And I can't continue on with this without saying, I called it. <laughs> you did. <laughs> uh, I wasn't I, sure they were going to go in that direction, but you definitely called it, I man. said last week, I said, you know what? I said, I- I'm wondering if they're going to go with the whole Oswald Cobblepot running for mayor uh, storyline. And the very next episode... It happened, and I thought, I'm loving, I think the more and more we see him, like, he was our favorite character from season one and season two, the more and more I see him, Robin Lord Taylor is brilliant in this character. He really is a break, I don't, breakout's not the right word, because breakout would have been season one, and he was definitely a breakout in season one, but he is... He's so good. Like, the the whole... The restaurant scene with him and the actual mayor... Mayor James. Yeah. Mayor well, James. ex-Mayor James. Ex-Mayor James who wants to become mayor again, and now they're two or, um, you know, step three where Mayor James has all these people pointing guns on Oswald, and Oswald basically stands up, and now they're step... I, I meant step two, not step three. I meant... Well, it's, it's like, he's like, he's like, you know, Mayor James looks at him and says, I'm always one step ahead of you. Yeah. And he's like, no, the problem is you're not three steps ahead. And then the entire... Everybody Everybody else. in the restaurant, in the restaurant. Went after, like, the wait staff and the ki- people out of the kitchen point guns at Oswald, and he's just not phased in the least. Yeah. And every patron of the restaurant steps up and pulls a gun on Mayor James. Yes. Which was just awesome. And the only thing that could have made that scene better, because we see Oswald reaching to his, you know, waistcoat and pulls out, you know, a you know vote for Oswald Cobblepot, uh-huh. putting that on Mayor James... The only thing that could have made it better is if he reached over, bit him in the nose, and said, at least it could be worse. My nose could be gushing blood. Yes, exactly. I'm a, still waiting for that a moment. A nice little nod from the second from uh, Batman Returns. Uh, I think, though, one of my favorite moments from this episode is towards the very end of this episode, we see finally released from Arkham Asylum is Edward Nigma, thanks to Oswald Cobblepot. And just the... His head coming his out of head the window. Coming out of the window. Hello, friend. And Hello, like huge... friend. And it was just like, yes, we're going to see Oswald and Nigma back together again because that was my favorite part of season two. Yes, was them kind of being awkward roommates together, but it was so much fun. It makes so... me. It makes me definitely look forward more and more now to the interaction between these two characters for the rest of this season. So if that's going to be them for the entirety of the season, super awesome. Very excited yes. to see it. Uh, one other thing I guess we can mention that did happen this episode before we wrap things up. Obviously, we see Lee and Jim Gordon reconnect uh, in um, in Gotham Police Station, uh, leading to the end, which was something you were you were talking about before, uh, that we didn't know when it was going to happen, but uh, Falcone has come back to yes, Gotham. because we find out that Lee is now engaged to Mario Falcone, but his last name is not Falcone. They already kind of, you know... 
the you know ex Don or still Don. I don't know where he kind of ranks. He yeah. kind of showed that he was disappearing a little bit from things after everything with that with Fish, where he just walked away. Um, but stating that his son, who is the one that's kind of gone straight and they wanted a better life for, him, yeah, is now engaged to Lee, which is something we kind of reported that we knew she was going to be in a relationship with one of the Falcon's sons, but not quite what we expected when we found out they're full on planning on getting married, which is really short after only being together for a short period of time. They they said it's been less than a year. Yeah. That but, made uh, me that that had me confused because I wasn't sure exactly how much time had passed. Right. So for this. So a little less than a year from what we gather from the end of season well, from when Lee left. Not the end of season two, but from when Lee actually departed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was kind of kind of interesting and a surprise, uh, and um, you know we did see a quick confrontation between uh, Gordon and Mario uh, at one point. Uh, him also being a doctor as well as Lee, uh, as Mario is the one stitching up Jim's head from uh, a baseball bat to the back of the skull. Yes, which yeah. what looks like maybe three stitches. Uh, he he must have a skull pretty much the strength of concrete. <laughs> so, but yeah, um, I think. It's interesting seeing Falcone back into the picture because I really loved him in season one. We saw him in a really quick moment in season two, midway through the season. Um, but that was it. And the fact that he's going to be maybe involved a little heavier again this season, kind of excited to see where that's going to go. I am too. Yeah, definitely, for sure. Uh, all right, should we move on to... Yeah, I think we've said everything we can say yeah. about Gotham. Uh, so let's move on to... Oh, we actually, know what? Hold on. There is one moment. There is the barbecue moment that we do need to discuss because oh, it was yeah, yeah, fantastic yeah. <laughs> yet again. So we uh, see another quick moment again inside the, the Sirens bar. And uh, Jarvis Tetch is actually hypnotizing barbecue to pretend that he is, she is madly in love with him. So uh, you see this wonderful smile from Tabitha out in the crowd. Kind of like, oh, this is going to go over so wonderfully. <laughs> Uh, and him saying, you know, pushing her advances away, which we immediately see Barbara break a glass, hold it to Jarvis's neck. But, but I think the best part about that too is the fact that when when Jarvis turns around and says, "But you know, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna rebuke your advances," you immediately see the look on Tabitha's face go go from like, "Oh, this oh, is gonna be great," shit. to "This is not gonna be good at all." <laughs> it's a like, "This is gonna be a shitstorm because I know what's coming." And it was just that line. I was like, "Sorry, my friend doesn't handle rejection well." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was a good, funny, quick moment. But I love that they're making sure they're giving her a moment like that. It seems like in every episode. Yeah. Now. Yeah, so. I mean, we may only see her for a couple minutes in each episode so far this season. But they're season, very memorable but moments. But they're great moments. So, so, I mean, she, Erin Richards, man, is just, she's so good in that role. Yeah. And that's one thing I will say about the show, is that the people that, while the storylines may not be fantastic at certain points, the actors and actresses that they have playing these characters are... Doing a wonderful job. They're doing a great job at what they can with these actors, you know. With the scripts they're given, they're doing phenomenal work. Yes, exactly. I mean, they are filling these characters, which is great. Okay, so Flashpoint. Here we go. Flash, season three, episode one, titled Flashpoint. Uh, I will read the synopsis, even though we all pretty much knew uh, what was going to happen. And the synopsis is a little off anyway as I'm reading it, because it starts off with the reverse Flash taunts Kid Flash, and that's not right at all. Um, the reverse flash taunts Barry and warns of repercussions if Barry continues to forget his old life. When disaster strikes, Barry must decide whether to live as Barry Allen or return to his universe as the Flash. Um, so many great things in this episode. 
we'll and we're going to try not to go on about this too long. Unfortunately, we're on a bit of a timeline, so we'll try to do this as yeah. best as we can here. We'll try and we'll try and push through these as much as possible. Obviously, we see from the very beginning, uh, we see Barry in um, jitters. And the one thing, I will say this is one thing that kind of confused me about this episode. And it's so minute that it, I really didn't even care. Barry has all his memories from his previous life and, and everything. Because as we see as the episode goes on, he starts to forget them as time goes on. So my only question is, why is he building up the nerve to talk to Iris when he already knows her and he's so familiar with her, wouldn't you not be nervous to talk to her? I think it's the whole idea that he knows that the memories he has of her, she doesn't have of him. So the last time they probably were anything to each other was when they were in school together and that was it. But I, and I understand that. But they never like, had that childhood friendship. They never had that, but already knowing so much about her, even if she doesn't know the same about you, wouldn't that kind of give you a little extra confidence to approach her? Well, I think it's the whole idea that he realizes he can only do so much in this universe. He was trying to stay away from things. They said he was there for three months. Most of that time was spending time with his mother and father and working at the police station. Mm. You saw that he wasn't friends with Joe. He didn't become friends with Joe in those three months. He never even went to find Cisco. Never went to find Caitlin. None of them knew who he was. I think he was trying to stay as low-key as humanly possible and just have this relaxed life. And knew when he was there that when he probably saw those people the first time, they didn't even give him the second thought of who he was. It's probably him playing to the idea that this is not the life apparently I'm going to have here. And I have to build something up. And he had this episode kind of showed where he was during Flashpoint. That he was no longer able to look the other way about not being the Flash. Or being able to help. Not be able to try to reconnect with Joe. Not try to reconnect with Iris. All these things. Mm-hmm. It, was his, it was his boiling point through all this. Um, okay. And I think that's what it was. It was us coming into that moment where he realized he couldn't stand aside. He missed his old life a lot. And... But he was thankful for still having his parents. Okay. All right. That makes a little bit more sense. That makes it a little bit easier. Uh, But obviously from the beginning of the episode, we see a big rivalry between the rival uh, and Kid Flash, who we all know as Wally West. But at this point, Barry has yet to find out that Wally is uh, Kid Flash. Right off the bat, the the Kid Flash suit looks fantastic. It does. They did a great job with that. Um and I keep saying Kid Flash because that's what he's re- referenced to later on, but we find out that Wally hates that name uh, because he is calling himself the Flash. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know, correct me if I'm wrong, because it's been a while since I've read Flashpoint and I haven't gotten all the way through it. In the original Flashpoint in the comics, when things change, Barry does not have his abilities anymore, does no, he? No, he actually has to go through a process that he does with Thomas Wayne who is Batman in the Flashpoint universe, mm-hmm. and where they're actually going through and finding a way to recreate his experiment to get his speed back. Yeah, so we know that's obviously a big difference between the comic books and the show. Is oh, there's a lot of differences oh, there, right well, off the I bat mean, on this one. The fact that they wrapped up Flashpoint in one episode is is already huge. But, I mean, there's still going to be kind of repercussions into the second episode as well. Oh, it seems like there's going to be repercussions for the entirety of the season. Yeah. I have a feeling. And I have a feeling there are going to be some major ones. I think we're not going to find out about some of them until partway through. Yeah, I, I'm the same way too. Uh, a nice nod that you had brought to my attention and I did not pick up on until the second time I viewed it. Um, 
obviously, we we do not hide the fact that Rob was not crazy about the original Flash, whereas I highly enjoyed it. Uh, but we saw another returning character from yes. the original Flash. So Detec- uh, Captain Singh is not the captain in the Flashpoint timeline. No. We have Captain Mendez. And who is Captain Mendez? He is Alex Desert, who was Julio Mendez from the original Flash. So we are now seeing Amanda Pays, John Wesley Shipp. And now Alex joined the fray as far as being some of the original major characters from the old Well, 1990s. Mark Hamill as well. Mark That's Hamill as well, but ni- 1990s yeah. Flash. Which is great to see them find a way to get him in there because he was one of the other big support systems for John Wesley Shipp's version of Barry. Yes. So really cool to see him squeezed in there somewhere. I thought it would have been great if they could have found at least like just a two-minute cameo for Amanda Pays because then you would have had the entire main cast from the original show in one episode of yes. this show which would have been great but I mean you know she definitely had her camp, her moments I'm sure we're going to see her again I would assume so throughout the show well there's the question though because she did die she did? Uh, didn't she no, no she, she didn't no die. she didn't die uh, it was just John Wesley Shipp's uh, character yes yeah. so Henry dies in season 2 yes exactly I couldn't remember if it was the two of them it was, but it was no it was just one Yes. Uh, but we do find out, too, that as well as, um, you know, we saw Julio Mendez, uh, Captain Julio Mendez, uh, we see Kid Flash, we see the rival, and we also get to find out what happened to the reverse Flash once Flashpoint actually happened, and that is Barry has him held captive in a cage that um, kind of suppresses his speed, so, so he's very not able to get away. Similar to uh, the cages that they're using in Star Labs on the original Earth-1 timeline. Yes. Pre-Flashpoint. So it's pretty much the same kind of ideal. Yes. Um, one of the things that still drove me nuts about that, though, is like, yes, you have this glass cage. And what looks like the front of this just being steel bars. Yeah. And I'm yes. like, I was like, that's definitely not glass that's suppressing him. And it looks like pure metal. And uh, I'm kind of surprised that we didn't see Reverse Flash, you know, just face through it, any of those things. But, hey, whatever. But if he doesn't have, if, if, if somehow... And his abilities are being suppressed. He doesn't can't. have the ability so, to, to face through But still awkward layout of the design of that maybe <laughs> but who knows well i mean it's no different i think than the mask that was used to suppress jay garrick right no, you know sure. it's it had eye holes and such so yes you know there's openings to it yep um we don't question the science behind no it. we it's better not to. it's better never to attempt to do that uh we get to see barry's parents together and alive and well again which is great but unfortunately we also see that joe is a drunk Joe is very much a drunk, and... and he's back to being a dick. Yeah, it's it's, it's season one, episode one, Joe, oh, Joe West. Yes, it's oh, what you plus being up. a drunk and being a drunk. Yes, it's like apparently him and Quentin Lance are best friends, and we'll get to that later. <laughs> we get to that. I, I noticed that too when I rewatched the flat when I rewatched Arrow later on this week too. Um, that was a big similarity yeah. between those two. And episodes. Jim Gordon, everybody is connected in this episode. We have three drunks have now. Three drunks. That's right. Uh, I thought it was a great scene when Barry went to go see Joe at the house. Yeah. And he just goes, I'm sorry for this. And takes him upstairs, showers him. You hear the brushing teeth sound and yeah. everything. And then takes him into uh, into he, the station. Yeah. So, um, what else can we talk about? There's obviously a lot of other stuff. But um, I've, I've been taking over most one of the One of the main it. things here we're definitely seeing is the rival and Kid Flash's battle with each other. And then obviously... The rival being his primary rival. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, it sounds really stupid to say it that way, but it's the truth. It's, 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 tr- his, yeah. it's, it's Kid Flash's reverse, reverse flash. flash. Yep. So when we're seeing this, that's kind of the framing point of the entirety of the episode. We're seeing that fight constantly happening everywhere. It's always on the TVs in the background. Of, is their constant feud. 
uh, Wally West can't, can't defeat the rival, uh, which is where Barry steps into play. Uh, and actually what ultimately leads to Barry attempting to save him at a point. Yes. Uh, where we see Kid Flash falling from the top of a building or being thrown out of a window, I believe it was, actually. I think he, I think he's thrown out of a window. But my question about that is, too, we see Barry attempt to save him. Yes. Is it that Barry just couldn't save him? Or do we think it's repercussions of Flashpoint that prevented him from doing it? I think it's repercussions of Flashpoint. Because one of the things you did bring up is he still has his memories, but he's starting to lose them. And what we find out through the reverse Flash in this episode is every time he uses his speed, he starts to forget parts of his old memories from the previous timeline. So this could just be the fact that he probably has used his speed in ways and forms already in these three months. Mm -hmm. And things are now... Back at a boiling point again. I'm going to say Flashpoint for a second, but I'm like, let's not do that. So, <laughs> well, um, the reverse Flash is the one that named, named it Flashpoint. It. So, it's... But, so we do see in his attempt to, we see him doing his little arm tornadoes to try to break Kid Flash's fall as he's falling, which he does indeed miss, well, causing Wally to fall into a dumpster mm -hmm. that's happily placed there, so he doesn't go splat because <laughs> that would be a really quick episode at this it point. Would. Um, but you know, we do see Barry take the mask off. Which shows that everybody in this universe can't look past eye holes, um, <laughs> even Barry. So, yeah, because Barry knows Wally and still Wally doesn't recognize exactly him doesn't. as Kid so, Flash. Yeah, it's that nice suspension of disbelief that we're seeing here. But as we're seeing this, though, uh, he obviously sees it's Wally. You know, make sure he's safe, and then you know we see later on as they go back to Wally's place, which is not some big lair. It's just his Looks apartment. Like just a crowded apartment. We find that not only just him, but Iris as well are kind of the duo together taking care of everything. Yes. Um, it doesn't. They don't ever make it clear if Joe is aware of what they're doing. Um, no, I think they do. Because uh, I think, doesn't at one point Iris says, or maybe she doesn't. No. I'm thinking of something else. They don't actually ever address it. You can't quite tell if Joe is aware of what they're doing because it seems like the relationship Joe has with Iris and Wally is very estranged. It's very broken. Yeah, uh, very, very broken. Um, it, and, that could very well be the reason why that relationship is broken. But one of the interesting things here is when we get to the fight at the end between Wally and the rival that Barry does indeed help out with, and we'll get into the nitty-gritty of that, uh, Wally is hurt in that fight. Joe comes to help save Barry and... Wally, mm -hmm. uh, and Barry looks at him and says, "You're, you know, Wally's hurt." And it was this quick moment of him darting over, and you're like, obviously, he already knew who Wally was in this timeline. Uh, so maybe there's, you know, Joe's had a divorce with his wife; it's still at another point, or Joe's wife still died, ex-wife that we know from in the previous timeline. But he obviously knew who Wally was. Mm -hmm. It's so those events seem to happen in some way, shape, and form. So it's very possible he knew. His son was doing this because he wasn't didn't seem surprised that his son was the Flash. Yeah, so I, I, I would think it's more of an estranged relationship, maybe because of the things that they're doing. Yes, and, and that could very well be the case. That could be why. I mean, Joe could be in the state that he's in right now because you know his son is out there. His his daughter Iris is working with him, and you know he could feel like, why? What's the point of even being a cop if there are people? Out here, and that could be why he's drunk and not showing up to work on time. Right. Uh, but because we brought up Iris, one of the really important parts about this is we saw it in last season, especially in the Runaway Dinosaur episode that we rated incredibly high, and we still, I think, both agree it's one of our favorite episodes of the mm -hmm. show so far. Um, they introduced the idea that Iris is the lightning rod that basically always will bring Barry back, 
And that actually carried over into Flashpoint, yes, which was kind it, of interesting. It did. Um, you know, Iris says, you know, later on in the episode that, you know, she realizes the more and more she talks to Barry that they are supposed to be something different than what they are. And she could feel it. And she said there always felt like something was missing. And when you see that moment of Barry actually asking her out in jitters, one of the way he sets up, oh, did you drop your wallet? And then, hey, I know you. So, yeah. So on and so forth. So when they start talking, she brings up later on in Ramon Industries, which is another thing we have to get into. <laughs> yes. This episode's really hard to break down. It's really difficult because everything changes so much. And there's a lot. I mean, there's definitely a lot we have to talk about. Right. You, you mentioned Cisco as a billionaire, and um, I'll let you finish but, your, your so, point. From so the point. idea here is Iris brings up very clearly when they're trying to figure out how to stop the rival, they break away, and everybody else that Barry has talked to doesn't believe him, who he, who he is, and the alternate, uh, alternate world that he is from, or timeline he is from. Um, but Iris believes 100% of everything he's saying and says they feel she felt a connection and was missing something in her life the moment that he came into play everything felt right and she was like we are in love from when you're, where you're from mm-hmm. and so it was amazing to see this really sweet moment like Candace Patton is continually getting better and better and better in these shows she is um, I don't know I didn't dislike her in the beginning of the show but she was a character I could have written off yeah and season, end of season one, she starts becoming something more. Season two, they really expand upon that. Already in season three, she she's is just this as, wonderfully is, endearing part of the show. She's just as important as Joe and Barry and everybody else to the show. She is. Yeah. And they're doing a really good job making Iris important. And that really shined through very clearly here. And it gave him, I think, the need to be able to hold on to his abilities and his memories. Yeah. There was a moment where you see Barry's memories shifting away. And Iris on the comms, keeping him connected to who he is. And that I loved it, in fact, and made sure, even if he forgot things, having Iris there kept him connected to the Speed Force. Well, did it almost seem to me at this point, and I'm wondering if, if, if it looked the same way to you as well, did it almost seem like at one point when, when Iris is talking to Barry on the comms, just by talking to Barry... Those memories came back. Those ones did seem like they came back. So she, We like, saw a very different effect when he was losing them. Yes. But that moment didn't have that same effect. It looks like they were rushing back in, not rushing away. And which proves even more to your point that she is the lightning rod that handles that so keeps they're, everything. They're together. handling this part of the comic universe so incredibly well yes. by doing that. And I'm really happy that they got that across very clearly. Yes. Um, so I'm really happy that they're doing such a good job. And I love even, too, how Ed, uh, Eddie Thawne at one point, or not, uh, Eobard Thawne, at one point when Iris comes in with Barry towards the end of the episode says, ah, the future Mrs. I- the future Mrs. West. Yeah, or future Mrs. Allen. Or future Mrs. Allen. Wow, yes. I'm confusing my references all over the place. But you're right, it's, it's so tough to keep everything together sometimes. Okay, so I guess we'll go into the rest of Barry's support team uh, really quick, and then we'll get into the major stuff with the reverse flash at the end of yeah. this. Yeah. And the rival stuff, because there's two really important things we have to discuss, which we'll save to the end here, because there's a lot to break down there. <laughs> well, they're the end of the episode, too. Yeah, so they're we'll, very much we'll the save end them of the for episode. the end. Uh, but obviously, we see Cisco. Cisco now is a billionaire with Ramon Industries. And I love the fact that at one point in season two, there's, uh, there's a moment where Cisco said, when he finds out about other Earths, he mentions, you know, I wonder if there's an Earth out there where I'm a billionaire. And no, and but there's another timeline. There's line. another timeline where he is, in fact, a billionaire. And it, it almost is reversed in this point where Cisco says at one point, a timeline where I'm not a billionaire. Like, that's just not, that's not right. Yeah. So what we are seeing about this Cisco is he's 
fast talking, very smooth, but you can still see old Cisco in there a bit. Yes. Um, and I love the way that Barry breaks him down really quick. Cause like we're friends. And then he gives a story about Cisco and Dante, uh, from when they were younger. And he's like, how did you know this? But mm-hmm. we did find out, you know, so that he knows there's a connection there somewhere between the two of them. And you see old Cisco kind of peer through at that point. But we did find out that this Cisco is indeed helping out or has helped out Kid Flash. He he knows who Kid Flash is. Right. Uh, and he provided the suit. The, suit, the frictionless suit. But one of the things that I thought was interesting was the fact that he's like, I'm not helping you out. You help out a speedster like you and you know exactly what happens. A vibrating hand goes through your yes. chest and kills you. And I'm like, which is a nice nod to the other timeline where Cisco did indeed die. Yes. So from the, the hands of the reverse Flash. So it makes you wonder who did die. But it also makes me wonder, too, is if are there in this particular timeline, and unfortunately we're not going to find out now at this point, you know, when you mess with a speedster, are there more than just Kid Flash and Rival? Well, I have a feeling more than likely because they're like Star Labs and he's like, you know, I thought this place was shut down and this is booming. So Star Labs was something in this universe and it was most likely still built by Harrison Wells. And most likely Harrison Wells was the one that died at the hands of the Rival, which caused Cisco to step away from things, mm-hmm. took over, and that was that. But my guess is that's probably that story that we never heard. Okay, so you think it's more pertaining to the rival? Well, than, where's, than where's Wells? Where, you know, where, where is Wells in this yeah. universe? So yeah. obviously, my guess is Star Labs was built by Wells and his wife, and Cisco still worked there. And when Wells was killed, who took over? Was was Cisco right? Because okay. we did find out there was not a particle accelerator explosion in this timeline. We it's found true. out that Kid yeah. Flash got his abilities racing From, cars with a new formula in it for Nitro. And it was struck by lightning. And it was struck by lightning. Which I thought was really cool. I thought so that was, was like, nice there's little... your connections of all those things, but I, it worked very well. Yes. Um, obviously, we find out, too, um, uh, we, Caitlin is brought back into the mix. Yes. Uh, by being, kid, quote, unquote, kidnapped, kidnapped. Uh, by Barry. And we find out she is... She's still a scientist to a degree. Or she's a doctor. She's, she's, she's a doctor. doctor. She is a pediatric ophthalmologist. Uh, optometrist. Optometrist. Okay. <laughs> uh, so she's a kid's eye doctor, which, um, but still very intelligent because she's the one that figures out in the show to turn the cameras into <laughs> facial, uh, rec- facial recognition software. Yeah. Which she does really quickly. Yes. And it was just this wonderful humorous moment. But and then she makes a wonderful joke. At Cisco and says, you know, you'd be a perfect candidate for LASIK. Yes, <laughs> which is great. So we don't see much of her at all, but it's a quick moment of basically Barry pulling everybody that's important to his team Flash on his timeline. So he, we see them all pulled together um, before they decide for him to run off and stop the rival, uh, with, uh, you know, help uh, Wally stop, uh, stop the rival. They go into this big fight. We go back to what we were saying. The rival ultimately almost, well, pretty much almost kills Kid Flash. Yes. He he basically spears him. Uh, and he basically says straight up, I want to be your rival. And obviously, Kid Flash is not my rival. You should be. Mm-hmm. So this is when we see some really awesome effects work of the rival starting two F1 or, or F4, I think they said, tornadoes. Two of, yeah, two of two them. Two of them. Mm-hmm. Which then we see the weather, weather wizard come up into play that Cisco nods, nodding back to the very first episode of the series. Yes. Like some sort of weather wizard. Now, I do have a question, though, and I'm wondering what your theory is on this. Obviously, you did mention that Kid Flash gets impaled with a pipe, um, you know, and nearly killed. But 
Why, what is happening now that he's not quick healing like he used to? We don't know. We have no idea why. And we, I don't think we're, we're ever going to we're know going now. To. That was very much written off. They said he just wasn't healing. Yeah. He is dying. Um, but the one thing that's really important here is we have to go into the rival really quickly. So the rival, for those of you that know comics, do know that the rival is actually the nemesis of Jay Garrick. The original Jay Garrick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you go back and look at comic books, you always see, you know, Ed Claris basically, the costume is Jay Garrick's suit, but slightly darker in tone. That's mm-hmm. all it is. Um, and there were some discussions on our website, um, on the Facebook page, and I think it was Jackson that was talking about it, but uh, it was the idea, a lot of people in the comic book uh, community out there that watched the episode said that this character's suit, the rival suit that we saw in here, was very reminiscent of two different people, uh, and I can see both of them, me and Jackson were talking about this a little bit, but... The Black Racer, the um, Rebirth Black Racer that we saw. Um, or actually, no, it was New 52, I apologize. Where it was part of the Dark Side War. Where we did see Barry become the Black Racer. And the suit very much had that design. But a little bit of a mixture of Jay Garrick in there, too, with the big lightning bolt in the center. Mm-hmm. And then a little bit of the New 52 Reverse Flash, too. So it was a nice combination of that suit, but it didn't look very much like traditional rival. But some really cool nods there in the suit. Uh, but we do see Ed Claris and Barry square off in that fight. Uh, Barry being able to stop him. When we go back to Ramon Industries, realize that Wally is indeed dying. Uh, the relationship between Joe and, and Iris and Wally is not good, but they're there for each other. And everybody's like, you have successfully, by being in our lives for basically the equivalent of two, three days, have ruined everything for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, making Barry realize... He needs to set the timeline right, going back to an early discussion in the episode where we see Ibard pretty much tell him, you'll beg me before this is all over to go back and kill your mother. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was actually a big moment, too, because that, I mean, that's one thing that, you know, when, when he goes back and, you know, we mentioned earlier, too, that he, you know, him and Iris go to go back to Ibard and... Um, you know, because Barry at this point realizes he has to make things right, and he tells you know Eobard, you know I need you to fix this, and Eobard tells him flat out, I want to hear it. Like, you know, or Barry tells him, you know what you need to do, and he's like, I know, but I want to hear you say. Right. It. We got to go back and set things right. He's like, No, you have to say it. Yeah. And it was just that gritted teeth of Barry looking at him, and this this beautiful moment of Eobard smiling at him, looking down on him, as Barry has no speed left. And it's just, I need you to go back and kill my mother. Mm-hmm. And he's like, with pleasure. Yes. And I thought it was a really interesting twist, too. When, um, you know, at, at one point earlier on in the episode, they, um, you, you know, River, uh, Eobard Thawne says, you know, uh, now who's the villain? Right. And which recaps again back in that scene when he says, now I'm the hero. Because he, in essence, is the one that is fixing everything. Right. So it is a, not a nice little nod twist that he is... And we go back to that very infamous moment that we've seen in the pilot at the end of season one and the end of season two. Now being back in season three. Of it's, that, it's, it, it, that, go ahead. It's the catalyst of all of this. I was almost going to say it's the clock tower moment of the Flash. It's the Back to the Future clock tower moment, lightning striking the DeLorean... That we see in every Back to the Future movie, and then we're now seeing that in every season of The Flash. Because it's it's matters so much, and I have a feeling this is the last time we're ever going to see this moment. Um, yeah, because I can't really see of any other ways that we're, we're going to go back to it. We now have re- removed multiple berries and multiple reverse flashes from this moment in time. Mm-hmm. You do it anymore, and it's, if you think about it and pull back, and I'm like, okay, there's one looking at the doorway... 
One saving his mother. <laughs> yeah. Young Barry. Flashpoint Barry. All these things. So everything now, it's, we're now to a point of straight up, we go back to this moment, probably for the last time in the show, Barry telling his mom everything's going to be okay, that we saw at the end of season two, and him disappearing, reverse Flash coming into play, picking up that knife, and killing Nora Allen. Hopefully for the last time on screen for yeah. some time because this is starting to feel like the death of Thomas and Martha Wayne. That anytime you mention Batman, we have we, to see. We this have to moment. see it. Yep. So I do hope this is the last time we see this for quite some time. But it's still a really powerful moment, and they're making it even more powerful. And it's meant different things multiple times to us. Now it's even sadder knowing that Barry is the one that had to make that call. Yes, he allowed it to happen before, but now he had to ask for it to happen. Yeah. Um, two more things worth mentioning before we wrap this up because we are running really long on Flash Talk and we, do, we still have to get to Arrow yet. Um, uh, one more thing, or two more things obviously I want to bring up real quick. When Flashpoint is, fi- we say fixed, but it's not fixed. There's still definitely some when things. When the timeline's going on. reset yet again, there's still some issues that have to go on. Um, you know, Barry, you know, goes back into the house and he sees Joe and Wally in there and they're all having a drink together. There's that moment where Barry asks, Where's Iris? My first initial thought was Iris is dead. Yeah. Something happened in this. We do know that's not the case. No. So we do know Iris is not dead, so things can, but things are still not right. Right. Um, But here's my, here's the big moment. This is one of the final moments of the episode, and I'm very curious as to see what your take on this is and what some of our listeners take on this is too. Well, actually, before we jump to that, because I know what you're doing. Okay. There's a really important moment though, too, when Eobard drops Barry off at the house. He's like, don't worry, you'll be seeing me again real soon. Yeah. And it's a wonder if that's because of the crossover, because of what's going on in Legends. There's a possibility because there's something interesting we have to talk about in the news, but or is it because Reverse Flash is going to be important in this season again? And I, that's honestly so. what I'm hoping. Um, but one of the final moments of the episode is we see um, Ed Claris. Ed Claris. I was thinking of it. I could. I had his first name. I had his last name, but I couldn't think of his first name. Uh, Ed Claris is lying in bed and he is woken up by a voice in his head. Uh, only to, which is telling him to, to wake, wake up. up. Uh, when he gets up, he looks over, he hears a scratch in a mirror, goes over, and he sees the word alchemy. Yes. Which very obviously is a nod to Dr. Dr. Alchemy. But here is my question. Does this mean that he is telling Edward Claris to wake up to his alternate timeline and become the rival? Or is he telling him, basically, is this an inner voice in him waking him up to become Dr. Alchemy? Well, there's two things here, and I think that you'll be like, holy shit, I didn't think about that. So so it's not obviously not one of the two that I just mentioned. So season one, you think about the Particle Accelerator brought us almost every villain of the week that we had. Mm-hmm. Season two, they came from Earth 2. Season three, now they're people that were villains in the alternate timeline, and their powers re-emerging to them. So these are people that are waking up from the Flashpoint timeline. Right. I did not think of that. And what was really interesting about seeing Alchemy appear in his mirror is the answer's right there. Oh, it's the the like the mirror, mirror master. The mirror, yeah. mirror master is working with Doctor Alchemy, and is maybe the one giving the people their messages because the Mirror Master is always being able to hop dimensions yeah. through mirrors. All right. I'm, I'm. So maybe this is our first real nod at Mirror Master. Working alongside Dr. Alchemy, which would be perfect, which I think that makes a lot of sense because he's such an important rogue. So is Dr. Alchemy in the other, in some other of the moments with the rogues. So having them tied together some way, shape, and form, maybe he's just one of the lackeys, but 
this could be a cool way to see something special. I'm I'm now thinking about this, and I'm even more excited for this season thinking that could possibly be the case, because I did not think... I didn't even tie the Mirror Master into that at all. But if all the villains that we're going to be dealing with, their villains of the week are all coming from Flashpoint. They're all waking up and remembering who they were in another timeline. And the, this could be the repercussions throughout the season that we were told by the producers we were going to get. Yep. So, so it could be really cool. Yeah, it could be awesome. So, so on Arrow, and then we'll get to the news. News is really quick. So we're going to probably be wrapped up here in about 30 minutes because we've got some things we have to do. So we apologize if we skim through some of this pretty quickly. But Arrow is uh, Arrow was pretty, like I said, right off the bat, super solid. So we're looking at Season 5, Episode 1, as uh, Ben's pulling up the synopsis here. But really quickly, one of the things i got to say that was fantastic right off the bat about this was, holy crap. Arrow was a lot of fun. It was back to hardcore action again. Like, the drama was there, but it was not the driving force constantly. The only thing I would say right off the bat about this episode that bummed me out a little bit was we did see Green Arrow regress yet again. Yeah. Which was the only big negative I can say about this episode. Um, I don't even... You know what, though? I kind of disagree a little bit. I don't think that's a huge negative. I think... You understand why he does? Yes. But there's something he does specifically that you're like, huh? I'm like, I thought we stopped this after season one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the killing comes back. And it's kind of surprising. Yes. Um, But again, as Robin mentioned, season five, episode one, titled Legacy. uh, After Laurel's death and the departure of both Diggle and Thea from Team Arrow, Oliver takes to the streets solo to protect Star City's citizens as the Green Arrow. Uh, I want to say, first off, one big point to this episode. Uh, this is directed by James Banford. Yes, it is. Who started this entire series as a the stunt, stunt coordinator. coordinator and has directed a number of episodes of Arrow. Uh, I think one of The Flash last season. Yep. And I know this season he's directing all four shows. Yeah. Which is... Uh, he did a great job. to him. Great job in this episode. He he did say earlier on in this season, before you know everything was... Uh, when they were first started filming, that this was one of the best fight scenes for an opening of the season and man he wasn't kidding this season started with an awesome fight with him and i can't remember the character's name um oh god anarchy was it anarchy okay yeah um yeah because we get to see the the return of anarchy straight from the beginning of this episode which is nice because we one of the things we've criticized this show about is not bringing back its other villains they keep dying yes so He's got a rogues gallery starting to build, which is perfect. This is something they needed to do. I've had a real big problem with it. You've had a problem with it. So the fact that we're seeing a pre-existing villain right front and center, perfect. Yes. Uh, but we also do get an introduction to a new char- another new character in this opening scene. Is, is this the first time we get to see Wild Dog? Yeah, we quickly did see Wild Dog. Didn't come off as cheesy as all the pictures made him seem like he was going to. The, the Casey Jones knockoff. That right, we were- but we see him trying to help out taking Anarchy down. Obviously very unwelcomed. Uh, we get a wonderful line. <laughs> yeah. He's like, hey, you're going to want to keep that elevated. What are you talking about? And Ollie turning around, shooting Wild Dog through his leg yes. with an arrow, <laughs> and then walking away. Yes. But we realize that the reason he's doing this is after the death of Laurel, having not his main team there, bringing new people into the fight, he's worried somebody else is going to die trying to do this. Which things. is a legit worry. I mean, because. It, it, it is a legit worry. Yes, because, you know, obviously he brought Laurel into the mix the first time. Uh, he definitely still holds himself responsible for Laurel's death. Yes. He does not want that to happen to somebody else. So it's not more against... He's not against the team 
Uh, he just doesn't want to be. He doesn't want to have that responsibility on him again if something happens to somebody else. Right. Yes. Um, we do see Thea is still in in town. She's choosing not to suit back up as Speedy. Mm-hmm. Um, she's kind of helping run Oliver's mayoral, uh, mayoral um, run as kind of an assistant in some way, shape, and form. Mm-hmm. Um, we see Oliver is doing a horrendous job being mayor because he's still so focused on being Green Arrow, and his ties to being a mayor are really not helping him much because. He's doing as much as he can as Arrow and doing very little as Mayor, thinking the system is so corrupt that there's nothing he can do about it but take matters into his own hands, which he's not able to do because he doesn't have a team backing him yeah. anymore. Well, I mean, and it's one of his other big flaws, too, in, as a mayor, is that he is... Uh, he doesn't believe that the law enforcement there is... Capable. ...is capable of yeah. doing anything. He has to do it alone. Right. Uh, which, you know, obviously is going to cause a lot of stress... So it's one of the reasons why probably he is faltering as mayor is because, as you mentioned, he's he feels his duties are more prevalent to being the Green Arrow rather than the mayor. Right. Which I'm happy that they're still doing this plot line. Um, and one of the things that comes out of this that was really wonderful is we see Quentin Lance return to Star City. And his return, we see him, as he said, he's been back for several weeks. As we mentioned, similar to Flashpoint Joe, Mm -hmm. that Quentin has fallen back off the wagon. He's back to drinking, but quickly turns it around and cleans himself back up uh, in honor of what Mayor Queen has decided to do, which is unveil a statue in the memory of Laurel Lance as the Black Canary to the city. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Quentin deciding that he's going to clean himself up to make sure he's there, not embarrass her legacy. And during this moment, we see our season big bad make his first big move. We well, see a really quick one earlier on. We but. we get the introduction to Tobias Church, Church before yep. this moment. We we do see kind of the sway that he has over everybody else in the underbelly of Star City. Right. Uh, but you're right. This is the first big move by Tobias in that he goes through and he kidnaps Mayor Oliver Queen. Along with several other politicians mm-hmm. in the city with the sole reason of drawing out the Green Arrow. Which, obviously, we know makes that kind of difficult. Yes. So, all through this, we're, we're seeing a very interesting villain. Is what we said we wanted to see something back to the street level. We got it. Yes. We, we got are, it in spade. I mean, this is what we, we asked for, and this is what this, we're getting. This character seems very, very similar to Vinnie Jones when he was Brickwell mm-hmm. uh, in the middle of last season. And we did see him again at the end of season two. Not really well in a great light. He was just kind of thrown in there into the mix, but... Mid-season, when Brick was taking over the city, um, you know he had control of all of the mob and the gangs in the city. We saw Church do that quicker and faster, and more efficiently, and directly and, more efficiently. As we see towards the end of the episode, that he is even able to turn people in other people's organizations against them. Yes. Um, now, I, I want to see if you picked up on this at all, or if this is just me overanalyzing things because that's what we do now with this. There's a moment with Tobias Church, bef- the moment before they go in and they kidnap Oliver Queen. Uh, they're in the back of the armor car, and Tobias is addressing everybody. And he says a line, as my younger brother used to say, you can't go fishing without bait. Is this a nod to something, or is this just a throwaway line that he says? Because I, I have my feeling on this is he could have just said, "Well, you can't go fishing without bait." Why is the "as my younger brother used to say" line put in there? I feel like that's reference. That could have something. a tie to something. When we, I think, learn a little bit more, it's very possible that his younger brother died at the hands of Arrow. 
at one point. Maybe he was one of those people on that list. Yeah, I that, feel like I feel like this is a reference to something it we're going be. to that's that going did stick out to me later. a little bit too. But it also really ties nicely into the flashbacks. Which holy crap, the flashbacks weren't bad. Th- let me tell you, <laughs> I actually have a note here in front of me uh, that says, "Actually okay with the flashbacks this week." It felt like for the first time they were not a chore to watch. Yes. Because you know what? They finally did something smart. They're closer and closer to the point where he comes back for season one. But we see him, and when we were like, oh, great, he's going to Russia. Wonderful. And we all forget that Anatoly is there. Yes. Anatoly was a character that we got to deal with multiple times now. And he's actually been somebody that's been fun to watch because they have a really good rapport on screen together. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's odd to think that you're like, yay, the KG Beast is back in the show. <laughs> And but the, the it, but flash, it worked. The flashback so far, I mean, it's more only one episode in, but as of this first episode, they've been, f- like, fun, almost. Yeah, uh, but you know what, what What worked with it, too, was that whole, you can't go fishing without bait, and it was the whole line that he heard from Anatoly in the past was, if a shark stops swimming, he drowns. Yes. Yeah. So it's this nice tie together between those two lines. Mm-hmm. So I think it's kind of interesting. So it's... Yeah, I'm actually, I'm, I'm hoping it continues in this season... Uh, but if the flashbacks are anything like that, it's I'm actually going to be okay with them. Uh, but season. the biggest thing is we now have the big question in the air is, is Prometheus Tobias Church or is he not? That's a big question right now because the one thing that was brought up is everybody on the street level refers to him as Tron, the, which is a nice mythology term. Mm-hmm. So it's Prometheus as well. So when we say Prometheus, are we referring to the, fi- the character at the end, end of, the, of episode? the episode? Yes. Um, I have a theory and... Um, Obviously, I was going to save Prometheus towards the end since it was the end of the episode, but we okay. can talk. We can talk. A well, little let's bit just about talk that. about that. At least you know we can at least bring up the fact that Tobias's church's nickname is Charon, where he's putting gold coins, which is the ferryman in mm-hmm. Greek mythology, uh, that puts the gold coins on corpses' bodies as they get sent to you know Hades. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we do know Tobias does this. That's one of his little quirks and charms. So I'm sure we'll see that plenty more in the future. Um, but again, it's the question is if we do think he's Prometheus, which we can get to at the end here. So. Yeah. Because um, I do have a theory on, on Prometheus. Okay. Uh, but obviously we want to say there's one huge thing that did happen this episode is we find out for the first time Laurel's last words to Oliver. Uh, and that, and those last words were – which they didn't blow me away, but they weren't lackluster in that pretty much to sum it up is her Laurel's last words to Oliver is don't let her be the last canary. Right. Um, you know, because there was a lot of people online and such who were having issues with the fact that somebody was going to come in and take over the mantle of Black Canary. Uh, but now we know why they're actually doing it, and that it, this is Laurel's wish. Laurel wants somebody else to take up the mantle of the Black Canary. And the same reason why we saw Ollie not agree to that, because obviously the rest of the team did know, at least Felicity did know what her last words were. Mm-hmm. And I think it's maybe not being directly being Canary, but making sure there's more people that do what she did and stood up against the fight. So it's the whole idea of starting this new team that he's very resistant on. Yeah. So. Um, Obviously, we see the big fight scene at the end of the episode, towards the end of the episode, where uh, Oliver suits back up uh, along with Thea, who has suited back up again as Speedy, uh, to go back in and rescue the rest of the politicians who they were not able to rescue earlier on due to the the bombs and everything that that were set up as trap. Um, but I'll tell you one thing: the action man in this episode, I feel like they've really stepped up the they action. They really season. did, and him firing his arrow into a helicopter as it's flying away. Well, not which... only not only that, but two words I have written down to the next exclamation point: 
parachute, parachute arrow. arrow. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, the trick arrows, the fact that they're just expanding on them in newer, cooler ways. Yes. That was awesome. That just made me smile so this much. Is I his, loved it. This is his utility quiver. Yes. As Batman's utility belt. Uh, which but, I, I yeah. thought was 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 great. Uh, that in the close quarters combat inside the helicopter was really well yeah. shot. That was super well shot. Yeah, it's, it ties in really well together. And I think Chad Coleman is really... He's a right call for he is. a villain. He, he's really good for this. Um, obviously, again, we see, uh, you know, in the Arrow Cave, Felicity is still there. We do see Echo Column, um, which is... Oh, my God. Mr. Terrific in Mr. the future. Yes, but why can't I think... Curtis. Curtis. Curtis Holt. Uh, Curtis Holt. Um, you know, Felicity and Curtis are working together in the Arrow Cave. Uh, Curtis, not so much a member of the team, but he um, definitely is still there to help out. Right. At one moment, we get Oliver saying it's nice that somebody speaks Felicity. Yes. Because yes. he understands what she is but saying. But very much not a part of the team, just there doing tech work. Yes. So. Well, and that kind of changes. That does definitely changes because we'll get to that point now. One of the things we see is Curtis going out to look for Wild Dog um, and in the process getting jumped. Yes. And when we see him return to the Arrow Cave, Ollie decides after the main fight that he has with with uh, Tobias that he definitely needs more people by his side. Mm. Speedy obviously is very resistant, doesn't think it's the right move. She doesn't want to continue doing what she's doing. Ollie talks to Diggle over sat phone, mm-hmm. and he's just kind of like, yeah, you need to do this. You need people behind you. Well, there's, there's one thing I want to backtrack to just for real quick um, in that... Uh, one thing worth mentioning in this, what this realization that Oliver has that he needs more people to back him up. The person that actually helped him come to this realization is Quentin. Yeah, um, because Quentin is the one that comes around on that he needs to get his life together. Uh, he needs to stand by Laurel's legacy and and continue with this. And he is the one that introduces Oliver to the police that he can trust. Right, uh, which are the ones that his go new in, task force. His new task force that go in with him to. Take out Tobias Church, or at least rescue so the politicians. That you see him work alongside a team again, so which is cool, and it's what helps him realize that yes, he needs other people. He needs other people. There are people out there I can still trust. Yes. Um, so we do see him decide he's going to recruit Wild Dog, and in the process, Curtis comes back and says, "If you're going to do that, it's not going to be for nothing. You're also going to recruit me." Yes, because we didn't get to see Curtis fight in this episode, but we know he can. We've seen it in the past when. Um, Palmer Industries mm-hmm. or Smoke Industries or whatever you want to call it at the time because it's changed names three times already in the show. <laughs> um, we've seen he's able to hold his own to an extent. And we know he fights in Aikido. So mm-hmm. so I'm very curious to see what's going to happen in the next episode when the new team is introduced, which I think is going to be a lot of fun. So why don't we before we get to your thoughts on Prometheus, the last big moment that we see, we don't see any real drama with Felicity in this episode. Him and uh, her and... Uh, Ollie seem like they're okay with each other. Mm-hmm. Nothing's really major. But we see her return to her home, and she has a new boyfriend. As we mentioned, we knew what was going to happen in the season, which was, I think, something awesome to see, and maybe that means things will start to move forward. Um, my thoughts on this actually tie into the Prometheus conversation, in that uh, it's probably way too obvious, and it's way too soon to figure it out, but I think uh, Felicity's new beau and Prometheus are one and the same very possible um i think they are the same person um so i think those two final moments of the episode actually do tie together yeah uh tobias church being prometheus is a good theory but i 
when you see the kind of person that Tobias Church is, I don't see him fitting the archer role very well. Or going behind a mask, because he seems like yes. he has no problem being front and center. He, he has no problem being out there. Like, being it's a guy that throws on brass knucks is not the type of person I think that's going to put on yeah. a costume. So, uh, so and, I don't see Tobias Church being Prometheus. Right. And that Prometheus that we saw at the end there does look very similar to... Dark Archer. Well, the Dark Archer, but it's a kind of a mix of the Dark Archer and Ragman. In the design, yeah. so but we because we know Ragman is coming in this season, so I'm very curious what we actually saw there. So yeah, we'll find out in a few because we don't know for a fact that, that in, was Prometheus. That was Prometheus. We're right. just making the assumption. Yeah, so I'm very curious to see what's going to come with this. Yes. So all in all, this week I think we're very strong episodes, especially with the premieres of Flash and Arrow. Uh, if any, I said this on Facebook to a couple of our listeners, and they all pretty much agreed because they all gave this a legend too. Uh, if this first episode of this premiere episode of Arrow is any indication as to the rest of the season uh, for season five of Arrow, it's going to be a great season. Yeah, I'm excited. And so. I think this has a high chance of being back to what season two was. Yes. Yeah, and I hope they can do it. season. So, so we'll see. And we know we're going to definitely see Deathstroke, it sounds like, on the 100th episode. Yes, which is going to be awesome. So, all right, real quick, because we kind of have to rush because we're definitely running out of time here. I'm going to go through the news. We don't have a ton of breakdown here. Uh, just a couple things. So right off the bat, we've got a couple of videos that came out this week, um, ones that we didn't expect, definitely. But we did see that Zack Snyder posted up on Twitter, the last day of filming for Justice League has happened, and in honor of that, he released a little behind-the-scenes video, which is kind of cool. You can find that on our uh, Facebook page, which is just facebook.com slash Primetime. Um, there's a link there. Also, there is now a link there for a full trailer for Season 2 of Legends of Tomorrow. Which is awesome. Which looks fantastic. Definitely check that out. Only a couple more days away before that show is starting off. But it looks fantastic. There's nothing really to need to break down there because there's a lot of stuff that we knew that's coming. Um, and the only person that really seems to be missing very prevalently because it sounds like we heard that there's going to be one of the team members not really prevalent for the first few episodes... My guess right now, that's Captain Rip Hunter. That's who I'm thinking too. So, yeah. because we did it look like we saw quite a few other people. And it looks like this season we're also going to see zombie Nazis. Yes. So, <laughs> this is just going to be a fun season. It's going to be But great. we also saw Jonah Hex in there, which was cool to yes. see. Very so, prevalent in there too. So, hopefully so we're going to see him for maybe more than one more episode. Maybe more than one episode, yeah. I'm my guess. Uh, also, in addition to that, something that not a surprise to Ben or myself, but a Suicide Squad extended cut is officially announced we did see a full trailer which is really quick and to the point very fast and it's coming out a lot sooner than i think either of us expected it will be available on vod on november 15th and blu-ray and dvd on december 13th so right before christmas uh we know that the film is going to have an additional 13 minutes of footage in the in this it looks like it's going to be from what ben and me both viewed a lot more harley quinn a lot more joker more than mm-hmm. likely uh, in addition to that, really quick, going into some other video news, bounds, uh, sounds out if you're a fan of the idea of Return of the Batman, Return of the Cape Crusaders, animated film starring Burt Ward and Adam West, that William Shatner will be added to the voice cast as, oddly enough, Two-Face. So, well, Real quick, was Two-Face a villain that we ever saw in the original I Cape Crusaders? I don't believe we did ever see I don't see think him. so either. I think he was introduced purely in the 66 comic book. But not ever on the show. Yeah. Uh, and if he was, I apologize. I don't ever remember seeing I don't that remember episode. him either. I, remember... I always forget that Mr. Freeze was in that. Because I don't ever remember seeing Mr. Freeze back in the 66. But I know he was there. So. Yeah. Um, in addition to that, really quick. Staying in the movie world. Ben Affleck last week has confirmed. Then walks back the title of the new Batman film. Which we reported was The Batman. Apparently his statement was taken out of context. Which is not true. Which in other words means more than likely. Because Warner Brothers hasn't announced it yet. This movie doesn't exist yet. (laughs) 
But more than likely, I have a feeling, and I think Ben agrees, that this is indeed going to be called The Batman. Uh, and they said originally it's 18 months out. Apparently that may not be true as well either. But again, more than likely, as soon as Warner Brothers makes the announcement, we'll find out about this. Heading over into the TV universe really quick, the only two quick points to bring up is the John Wesley Ship has come out talking a little bit about his Jay Garrick. And we did find out that he has based his Jay Garrick on his old version of Barry Allen, if that Barry Allen grew up at the age he is now 20 years later. So kind of cool. Which so, I, I think is great. Yeah. So if you watched that originally, you have a feeling what to expect from his Jay, which sounds like it's not the Jay we've seen yet. So yeah. kind of excited to see. So probably a little bit cocky. And a lot of fun. And we know we're going to see him this week, too. So I'm, I'm really yes. excited about that. As well. And last but not least, Andrew Kreisberg did come out. It sounds like this happened at New York Comic Con. This originally was reported on by Comic Book Resources, I believe. Or, uh, yeah, Comic Book Resources stated that Supergirl is not joining the Arrowverse. Will stay in her own separate universe, at least we know for the time being. But all of the appearances we do see of her will be because of being able to go through different portals mm-hmm. and be able to appear. So this may still be a smart move, but... For the time being, but we do hope in the future she will indeed get tied into that. Yes. So before yeah. we get out of here, we're going to make our real quick recommendations, and then we're going to get out of here, and we'll see you guys next week for the full lot of shows. Man, we are back to full strength next week, man. Okay, do it up. Uh, my recommendation this week is actually something a little bit different, but still brought to you from DC. I had no idea they were even doing this, uh, and I read it, and I absolutely loved it. Uh, DC is doing a six-part series of a He-Man Thundercats crossover. And the first issue was fantastic. I cannot wait for the next of them. So my recommendation this week, check it out. It's from DC. Uh, it's just simply called He-Man Thundercats, and it's it's fantastic. Cool. And for me, I just want to remind people to go back, make sure you're caught up on Justice League and Suicide Squad from Rebirth, because in December, we know our first official tie-in event that's happening, and that's a crossover through the DC Universe, which is Justice League versus Suicide Squad. That starts again in December. And uh, from the cover art that got unveiled this week, there's a certain member from the squad that we did think dead that's not quite dead. So be excited. It looks fantastic. All right. Uh, real quick, before we do our cheap plugs, obviously we've been running the contest for the past couple of weeks to get us to 200 likes on Facebook. Uh, the deadline was today, and unfortunately... And you failed us. We did, <laughs> we did not reach it. We did good this past week. We got from like 105 to 160. Yes. Uh, so it was a strong push towards the end. Unfortunately, we did not do it. However, uh, we will do another contest like this a little bit later on once the season progresses. Maybe into the mid-season break. Yeah, maybe we'll do something special for Christmas. We'll yeah. do a Christmas giveaway. We'll do something a little bit later on. So obviously, we still encourage you to share the page uh, and spread the word with your friends. Get them to like it as well. And get them to listen. Especially if you love us as much as you say you do. Uh, then prove it. Facebook.com slash DC Primetime. Uh, but our cheap plugs uh, from the Showcast Spotlight on the Next Level Podcast Network, which is where this podcast can be found. Um, DC, which is NextLevelRadioOnline.com. Uh, and also on Twitter at NXT Level Radio. You can follow us, as we mentioned before, Facebook.com slash DC Primetime. And of course, reach out to me personally, uh, Ben at NextLevelRadioOnline.com. Yep, and you can always find me as well with Caffeine Crew and the Caffeine Crew cast of Pods Podcast, which is just about to join the Next Level Radio Network. And that'll probably be all our original episodes. So the first 30 episodes of the show will be available before the end of October, as well as episode 31, which will be our Halloween episode that Ben will more than likely be involved in. Uh, as always if you want to find more about us send us a message personally you can do that through our Facebook page which again facebook.com slash DC Primetime like it like it and you can always just click that little button that says email us or send us a personal message we always respond and we can't wait to see you guys around the bend next week 
So uh, yeah, until then, take care. Peace. <laughs>